My guest today is a Christian apologetic speaker for Answers in Genesis and a host of the podcast produced by Answers in Genesis called Zero Compromise. Patricia Engler is here to talk about what is happening in Western civilization, particularly as it relates to neo-Marxism. And we're gonna talk about the spirit behind socialism. You guys, there's a spirit behind, it's gonna be a fascinating conversation. And we're gonna leave you with three things that students absolutely need to keep their faith strong no matter where they end up going to college. This is the Heidi St. John podcast. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So Patricia, welcome to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Well, I met you, of course, at Answers in Genesis. I had the privilege of being on your podcast and uh, interviewing live the last time I was speaking uh, for Answers in Genesis. Right now, you're working for them, right, in the capacity of Christian uh, apologetics, which is so important. And uh, I'm thrilled for my audience to meet you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Obviously, you are one of my younger guests, so this is exciting for me to hear your story, maybe where you came from and uh, where the Lord's taken you. Absolutely. So I grew up in a Christian family homeschooling in Alberta, Canada. And when I was 14, I heard a apologetic speaker, so Ken Ham, who founded Answers in Genesis. And before then, I didn't really care about apologetics or the defense of the faith. But when he showed me that all the main issues that we're seeing in culture and just the importance of things like sharing the gospel and doing missions, things I knew mattered, actually depended on the truth of God's word in Genesis, that just totally opened my mind to want to be an apologetic speaker, just like Ken Ham someday. Um, didn't think that the Lord would actually work out the doors the way that he did, but I knew I wanted to study science at a secular university to learn about evolution, help young other young students get through that environment without losing their faith. So did that, um, went to a secular university in Canada, studied full-on evolution classes. Then yeah, it's no joke, the secularism. I mean, Canada is a secularized very. nation, very much like France right now and what we're seeing happening across Europe. But Canada is almost a prototype here in North America. Unfortunately, yeah. Even like if you look at our abortion laws, I find a lot of people don't realize that Canada is the only democracy in the world with no law on abortion. Like you can abort for any reason right up to live birth in every single province and territory. It's super evil. I mean, don't even get me started on the euthanasia. But yeah, they're going to be opening it up to, you know, the mentally ill next year and all kinds of things. So went through that environment. Um found things that helped me keep my faith in that setting at university, ended up backpacking the whole way around the world in six months, interviewing other Christian students about how to kept their faith. Were you alone backpacking? I mean, I'm a mom. Were you alone backpacking? <laughs> Just me and God in a backpack, but he took exceptional care of me and I saw him work in unbelievable ways, like providing, like, I love telling those stories, but yes, um, really great opportunity to depend on the Lord. What's your big takeaway? I mean, first of all, as a mother, I just have to see, how did your parents respond when you're like, hey, I think I'm just going to strap a backpack on and this young, beautiful girl, how old were you and how did your parents respond? I was 23 and like my parents are awesome. So they're super supportive and they actually encouraged me to travel. They like, I had to make sure that I was going to places where I had contacts and you know, I'm not just like going around without a plan. Um, sometimes it worked out that way, but the Lord still provided. But they also went on amazing adventures with God before they were married. So really it was, they yeah. couldn't really complain, but it was good for they the They couldn't life. complain, right? I was telling parents, hey man, you know, you, you get married at 19, you can't say to your kid, oh, you're too young to get married because you know, you did that. There's <laughs> that. But yeah, they're super supportive. So I love that. So 
I'm I'm curious because so you know I I talk a lot about what's happening on our college campuses here at the show and the fact that we are cranking out by the hundreds of thousands in the United States every single year kids who hate this country. Yes. They're embracing socialism. They're embracing Marxist ideas. They're embracing in many cases full-on communism. We're watching university campuses across the United States right now flying the flag of Hamas uh, in support of what is happening over in the Gaza Strip right now, which is horrifying to see. You saw this stuff kind of firsthand uh, as you traveled around the world and you went to college campuses. What was your the, the most uh, shocking thing that you discovered when you were visiting these college campuses? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's wild just how much has changed even in the last few years, because I did my travels 2018, 2019. So I did see a poster for Canada's Young Communist League at a Canadian campus that I went to. And it said, you know, capitalism is war and violence and racism and climate crises and patriarchy and colonialism and all these other issues we're seeing. They're being exploited for a neo-Marxist agenda that's contrary to the gospel. So I saw that hint. But otherwise, it was just kind of the main things you'd expect on campus. Um, different, you know, forms of spiritual oppression. You're very lonely. You're isolated. Different cultures have different uh, pressures against Christianity. I think the most shocking thing, though, was the communist country that I did go to to learn from Christian students there. It was incredible how even though it was the most dangerous country to share your faith in, they were the most excited about evangelism that I met. And that was just so cool to see and how intentional the local church and the campus ministry work together as a mm. missions network in their own community. So the students would go out and evangelize in this dangerous campus and they'd go back to the church and mentors at the church would give them feedback and ask, how's your evangelism going? How can we pray for you? It was so cool. So I'd say that was, that was what one country of the experiences. Was this? Um, I told them that I wouldn't name it on, oh, online okay. because of security reasons, but it was sure. a communist country in Southeast Asia. Wow. Well, and that's the truth, right? I mean, where the where the uh, the persecution of Christians is the most severe, the church actually grows. Uh, we've seen this, you know, throughout uh, throughout history, and it's going to be no different, I think, as we see persecution now moving across Western cultures, and I believe coming right here to the United States. And we can talk about that. But I'd, I, you said something to me that was so interesting before we started recording, and that was you have been studying socialism, and you say that there is a spirit behind the socialism, the socialist, the neo-Marxist movement that's sweeping the world right now. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, this was shocking. Like, I don't know if you've, I'm sure when you're researching something and you just have to like step back and walk away and just like process what you've read. Yeah. It was like that. So I was researching for a book that I'm writing now about the history and consequences of Marxism. I traveled last year to another like 17 countries in Europe, just going to museums and memorials and all kinds of places. And one of the people that I was studying, well, it's a group of people, and they were called the Utopian Socialists. So they were before mm -hmm. Marx, or just like right before him, but kind of contemporary with him, people like uh, Charles Fourier, Robert Owen. So they were people who basically thought like socialism is going to solve all of humanity's problems and we're going right. to live happily ever after, you know? There's a utopia right around the yes. corner. Exactly. And what's crazy is if you look at their writings, like they were basing this on the abolition of marriage, abolition of family and uh, taking parents away from kids for educational purposes. So all of Ooh. those elements that we're seeing today were being endorsed back in like the 1800s by these utopian socialists, even before Marx. And they were advocating for communism. You can look at uh, Engels, uh, Friedrich Engels, who co-wrote the Communist Manifesto with Karl Marx. He said that um, these utopian socialists, even though they did, they didn't 
didn't think they were scientific enough, but they still admitted that they owed an intellectual debt to them and called them like the most eminent minds in history or among them. So big deal. And what was wild is I found out that Robert Owen in particular, so he used to be an atheist or just like he said there were, you know, no religion is true. Basically, back when he was a youngster, he advocated for communism his whole life. But then in 18, I believe 1857, when he's older, he gets into spiritism. So the occult, um, this is a pattern. It's not isolated. And he was going through like all these seances and stuff and writing down what these spirits were endorsing. And he made a pamphlet. You can read it online, uh, the future of the human race or the future of man along those lines. And he is saying in it, he's advocating for this form of globalist socialism, which is, it's it's literally like a you will own nothing and be happy kind of scenario that he's advocating for. And it involves um, no like marriage, no family units in the same way. Um, kids being educated by the state instead of parents from a young age, as you'd expect, all of that. And then he goes on to say that, these spirits have been endorsing this issue all along. And like he said, um, that from the time when he was a youth, like they were pushing for this. So this is, it's not even just in him that you can read this. There's another lady, uh, Alice Bailey. She, um, her, her, um, resources ended up being influential in creating what we call social emotional learning. So um, that's a whole other topic there. But anyway, oh, I she love has... the topic of social emotional learning. <laughs> yes. So she has a whole other range of connections that um, I could get into. But um, she also basically was advocating for this idea that there's this like spiritual hierarchy that had this plan for um, bringing about this kind of very collectivistic society of the brotherhood of man which is it's it's just all kind of pointing in the same direction but well documented you can you can read it for yourself and yeah it just it just really gives you more insight into what we're seeing in culture today it's a definite spiritual agenda it's not it's not social justice it's an other gospel that's being promoted and it's not for the benefit of humanity today's world is different from the world we were raised in as kids Families are more divided than ever. In many homes, screens are raising the kids more so than the parents. Kids don't spend as much time outside. Family activities are few and far between, and the family unit continues to be broken down brick by brick. Fostering intentional family time, teaching truth and traditional values, cultivating healthy family habits, that is how you leave a family legacy and build a strong family. Brave Book subscriptions include a new book every month, along with corresponding family activities and lessons. Each book teaches a faith-based value, such as the sanctity of life, discernment, or perseverance. Go to bravebooks.com right now and use the promo code HEIDI for 20% off your Brave Books family subscription. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, and when you say it's another gospel that's being promoted, we've seen all throughout history uh, as these 
um, as these Marxists and communists kind of move into the culture. I mean, obviously the communist, the communist movement displaces God completely, right? And so they, they reject God and they embrace secular humanism or atheism. But what we're seeing now, and I'm curious to know your position on this, because what I see here where I live in the Pacific Northwest, a very progressive uh, part of the country, and the spirit behind the transgender movement, the spirit behind you see so many activists now on social media who are uh, or say that they are in favor of children really are pushing a gospel of their own. It's kind of a different gospel. And I'm wondering if you saw roots of that in Europe when you were there. Yeah. So like when I was there, I did see lots of signs promoting, um, you know, we can't live with capitalists and festival of Marxism 2022. And I ended up actually at a pro communist protest by accident outside the university. Ooh, where, I bet that was exciting. <laughs> that was something. I mean, it was all in German, so I couldn't really understand the speeches, but I could see like, um, like someone was waving a Soviet hammer and sickle flag and there's tons wow. of rainbow flags. Like it all ties together. Right. So right. just this narrative of oppressed versus oppressor. But yeah, like that whole spirit um, behind Marxism, like you said, it is a different gospel. And you can see that just in the structure of the worldview. So when I'm trying to explain just like really quickly the difference between Christianity and Marxism, you can see it's a totally different, what some people call a theology of human nature, humanity's main problem and humanity's hope. So human nature the Bible says that we are created. That's primarily our nature. God's our, created, uh, God's, God's our creator. He sets the rules. Whereas Marxism says, like, basically man creates man through this, like, historical process of labor and meeting human needs and uh, eventually through revelation. So humans as creator, and that ties in really well, by the way, with a lot of the types of uh, new biotechnologies that we're seeing. Um, I'm mm -hmm. taking a, a master's in ethics right now and studying all of that and how there's a whole whole other other topic there but it fits together and then second uh, humans core problem so the bible tells us it is sin that's what alienates us but marx talked about alienation um, being alienated from ourselves from being fully human and he talked about that as the product of the division of labor and the rise of private property and ultimately like what ended up being working for capitalists working for someone else um so his, he had just a whole different idea of what human's core problem is. And in neo-Marxism, they took Marx's um, basic premise that the problem is this divided labor, which led to capitalists oppressing um, the proletariat, the worker. So it's the system of oppression. So neo-Marxists then take that and they still divide society into only oppressed and oppressor classes. But we see all these other groups being pulled in. So women are oppressed and, you know, it's, it calls you an oppressor based on things like skin color and gender and things you can't necessarily choose. So totally different version of justice in what the Bible teaches. So human's core problem is different. The Bible teaches that things like injustice, they are exploitation of other people based on sin, sinful hearts, sinful actions, whereas Marxism and neo-Marxism teach that uh, the problem is injustice based on identity. So you were born into an oppressor group, you're an oppressor. That doesn't actually leave you hope. That ties into point three. What's humanity's hope? For Christians, we know that the human humanity's only hope is Jesus. He's the one whose death reverses the effects of the fall. He'll make that new heaven and new earth restored to its original good and perfect state. Jesus is the only hope for, sal for salvation and for humanity. 
whereas Marxism teaches the only hope is for those oppressed identity classes to overthrow their oppressors, uh, both in a cultural sense, is what the neo-Marxists really focus on, and then ultimately in a political revolutionary sense, and saying that any kind of violence is justified. The end justifies the means. Yep. The oppressors can basically do no wrong because they're oppressors. Or yeah. sorry, oppressed. The oppressed can do no wrong. So Which totally is why possible. I think you see them. This has to be why then we see our college campuses making excuses for Hamas. I mean, they're saying, of course, they're going to do this. They've been oppressed. And so it doesn't matter. They can behead, uh, you know, little children and rape women in the street. And we're justifying that, right? This moral equivalence between what's happening in Israel uh, and what's happening in Palestine. They side with the Palestinians because they believe that they are the oppressed. Is that that's basically what you're seeing? That's kind of the pattern that you're seeing. Yeah. Like, and that's a, uh, a very um, prominent example, and then like all kinds of areas of culture, especially where Christians are being opposed in society, a lot of it comes down to some sort of oppressed versus oppressor identity narrative. Oh. Wow, this is really scary. And uh, you're saying that you know we really need to prepare in this country for persecution that's coming because these people are not interested, are they? In uh, in standing up for the rights of a minority group that might be Christian, <laughs> right? That's right, yes. Yes, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, there was a time when you could use things like facts and logic to reason, but yeah. even those are considered part of like an oppressor identity now, unfortunately. So it's all about rhetoric and emotion. And basically the narrative right now is that the internal subjective feelings of oppressed identity groups are the authority for truth. And for wow. what morals is and for what, like, for truth. So that's basically taking God's place on the throne of our culture. So if you say that someone who's considered an oppressed minority has, you know, if you say, well, that's not really your identity, you've basically committed a cultural heresy, like blasphemy. So you should be um, punished as a heretic. So we're basically going to be seeing Christians more and more burned at the stake in that sense for committing this heresy against the religion that the inner feelings of the oppressed are the authority for truth. Wow. So that's terrifying because we, we absolutely see it. I mean, I see it uh, all the time right here in my neck of the woods and we're seeing the response to what's happening uh, in Israel right now connects to this ideology. How do you uh, tell young people, especially to prepare their hearts for, uh, for persecution and uh, to sort of get ready for what's coming, because I think we've got to have, you know, we need to know as parents, first of all, how do we prepare our hearts and our families, but also young people who are growing up in this, because you, you're absolutely right. You can't reason with this. It's the spirit of the age and there's no reasoning with it. And so our answer then is we need to lean into the, to the, to the Lord and to his Holy Spirit. But how do you, how do you tell young people to get ready for this? Absolutely. So I get really excited about this, actually, because like we're not helpless. There are things we can do to prepare. Um, we, we have to maybe change our expectations. We're not going to reclaim the culture in a sense, but we can prepare our own hearts to get through uh, whatever's coming with Jesus. So it comes down to three things. And what's so cool is these are the three things that I found from my travels around the world help Christian young people get through university. It was universal across the board. These are three things they said was 
were helpful. And I realized that the reason it was universal is because it's just for helping any Christian get through hard times with Jesus and actually apply your biblical worldview to impact your culture for Jesus. If you look at stories of persecuted Christians, you find these same things. So it comes down to, number one, strong spiritual foundations. You have to know God for yourself. You have to be excited about his word, get into his word, memorize it, study it, soak in it, taste and see that the Lord is good. No one else can do that for you. Um, mm. Just amp up your prayer life. One thing that got me excited about praying as a teenager was reading biographies of persecuted Christians. One that stands out to me from the persecuted church in China, this lady who walked so close with God, an American visitor was like, how do you have this relationship with God? You've seen him do amazing things. She said, it takes sacrifice. He was like, yeah. do you mean suffering? She goes, no, the sacrifice is prayer. So just like get to know God, pray, read your Bible, all the stuff that you know is important, but like get excited about it and just taste and see that the Lord is good. Build those spiritual foundations. Second, intellectual foundations. So that's where apologetics comes in, being able to defend your faith, as well as having biblical critical thinking skills, which we teach a lot here at Answers in Genesis, to be able to help um, Christians think through new messages that come up and think like apologists themselves so they don't freak out if there's some sort of you know new objection to Christianity that they've never heard before. So biblical critical thinking skills. And then third, interpersonal foundations. And this is huge. This, like, common theme all over the world, any kind of like persecution um, testimony that you read, this is usually quite prominent. Interpersonal foundations is having a strong Christian support network around you. Godly family, ideally, biblical local church is huge, and older adult mentors is also huge. And just having connections to older godly Christians in your life who can encourage you based on how they've seen God work in the past. So unfortunately, I see churches often giving young people the opposite of what they need in these cases. Yeah, For instance, so entertaining true. instead of discipleship, ignoring those hard questions instead of building intellectual foundations and segregating age groups when that cuts off mentorship opportunities. Mm. So there are some practical things that we can be doing as churches and families to be building these foundations that will really be vital for going forward and surviving and thriving in hostile contexts with Jesus. Wow. And boy, probably never been more important than it is right now, certainly not in your lifetime. And as I'm watching young people uh, getting ready to enter, you know, they're graduating from home. You're talking to a lot of homeschool families here right now. And of course, you were homeschooled. You went to a secular university and you and you thrive there because these foundational pieces were correct. Uh, I want to end just really briefly just talking about um, the the sort of facade of Christian university culture right now. How important is it that parents and young people really understand the university that they're going to and not just depend on the fact that they say they're a Christian? Well, basically keep in mind that you're signing up for four years of intensive discipleship. So whatever the worldview that your university endorses, that's what you're going to be intensively discipled in for four years. So in Canada, I basically had the choice since I wanted to study science of learning theistic evolution or atheistic evolution. There's not really biblical <laughs> universities, at least when Seriously? I was there. Okay, wow. Yeah, so you have it a little better in the States. But um, I chose atheistic evolution, one, so that I could learn about it better, but also um, because if you go to a Christian university, like if people teach compromised perspectives and compromised beliefs in the Bible, which they often do, 
it's so much more easy to get turned around because it sounds like it's coming from Christians. That's right. But so it's actually easier to get through secular university in that sense because you expect that it's going to be unbiblical. You have to think critically and uh, think biblically and critically about everything you encounter, but you're a little more prepared for it going into a secular university. So no matter no matter what kind of university you're planning to go to, basically expect that you're going to hear things that don't line up with God's word by default. Keep those biblical critical thinking sensors up, compare everything to God's word foremost, have mentors, uh, have resources, ministries like Answers in Genesis you can bring your questions to and just stay close to God. Boy, so important. This is such a great conversation to have. And you're such an encourager. You guys have a podcast, uh, which you mentioned really briefly at the onset of the show. And I want to end by talking about it today because I would love to direct my audience to your podcast. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, for sure. So it's called Zero Compromise. I'm on there with a couple other young people at Answers in Genesis, Rocket Rob, who is a rocket scientist and former atheist, actually. He has a cool story. And then Jessica Jaworski, well, DeFord, she got married, DeFord. She's our wildlife <laughs> biologist, and she talks a lot about, you know, climate issues and that type of thing. So super cool. And the Lord brings us all kinds of neat people to interview. So we actually got to interview you. That was really neat back at the women's conference. Uh, we've recently interviewed an astronaut. That was amazing. Um, oh, yeah. Was, was that my friend Jeff? Yes, it was. Yes. So he has such a he cool lives story. like 10 minutes from me. Yeah. Oh, no way. So great. Yeah, yeah. So he was on there. And what I also love is we've had conversations talking to Christians who have great resources to share for surviving persecution contexts. Mm-hmm. Like Andrew Brunson, for instance, he was held a prisoner in Turkey for two years and he was on our show and just showed some great things, pointed people to his resources. I encourage you to check out those. We got to interview Pastor James Coates and his wife. So he was imprisoned in Canada for church-related activities. We got to interview uh, Gracia Burnham. So she went through um, kidnapping in the Philippines and having to hide in the jungle for years. So we just want to mobilize basically these stories for people to help encourage young people, especially to stand on the truth of God's word with zero compromise. Wow. So the name of the show, again, sponsored by Answers in Genesis, is Zero Compromise. Uh, Patricia Engler, you are just a treasure, and I know the Lord's going to use you greatly in the days to come. If people want to reach out to you, is there a way that they can do that? Yep. You can either find me on social media, P Engler, E-N-G-L-E-R-A-I-G is my handle, or you can just head to answersingenesis.org, and then I have a whole like bio section on there with blog posts and articles and you can find my social media there if you're coming by the arc you can request a request a speaker so yeah come come say hello i love it patricia engler thank you for coming on the show it's been a delight to have you thanks so much for more information on today's guest you can hop on over to heidistjohn.com forward slash podcast and i'll link back to her in the show notes today or you can visit my friends at answers and genesis be sure and subscribe to their podcast zero compromise we need more voices like patricia speaking to our young people today i believe and you guys heard me say this yesterday on the show i think some very challenging days are ahead for the church and we need to dig into the promises of the word of god know the word of god have our foundations be secure and then look forward to his return. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. I'll see you right back here again tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture.